Yo, happy Friday. Hope you guys are gonna have an amazing holiday this weekend. Uh, I got a good one for you today. I got my man Hector Bravo. He's a combat veteran. Um, he talked about transitioning from service, you know, joining the Department of Corrections, learning, advancing through the ranks, getting to a high level and realizing, hey, you know, I wanna go somewhere else in my life and starting his own business. Uh, from there, Hector's an overall badass dude and actually, uh, every time I was on fucking TikTok and just fucking around, I see his videos and that's where I hit him up and said, hey man, I gotta get you on the podcast. Gotta be able to talk because he has a compelling story and he's all about helping people uh, with all the things that they go through and the stressors and so forth. So it was a real honor to be able to jam with him. Good thing is I live not too far from him, so we're actually gonna hang out pretty soon. Uh, but it was pretty awesome to me, you know, it was a building those genuine relationships based off of what you guys been through, you know, who you are as a person, what you guys, uh, your aim is, you know, and that's the most powerful, most empowering thing, excuse me, is being able to, you know, build those relationships with people, talk about the things that held you back and really get to that next level. I feel like it's uh, what allows us to be able to have that human element in, but also allows us to be able to thrive in that growth, really work on us because life's ever changing. You know, we're going through shit every single day. You know, we may think it's crazy. We may be uh, going through things, flipping out, processing emotion, whatever we have to do. But we have to be able to have these tough conversations like this one today and really jam into it. So I'm really glad Hector came on. I know you guys are going to love him. I've got my story. You got yours. I've dropped blood, sweat, and tears on the floor. Then look the devil right in the eyes and told him I want more. Time to walk through hell's kitchen. I ain't afraid to lace my boots back up. Been there and back a couple times, but I made it through that stuff. I realized if you wanna win, you gotta recalibrate your mindset. Before there's no time left, the winner's paradigm. The winner's paradigm. The winner's paradigm. Yo, what is happening, y'all? It's Lundis. This is the Winner's Paradigm. Uh, I just want to say thank you guys for tuning in. I haven't jumped on here in a very long time, and I've been just grinding at the Winner's Paradigm, you know, and figuring out, hey, what's the direction we're going? What are we tapping into? How are we going to help people? What kind of things are we unpacking and showing people, hey, what peace looks like when you finally are able to get through years of trauma, frustration, pain being built up. So in order for us to keep this message going, I need you to drop a five-star review and a rating and let me know how this show's helped you so we can keep the shit going. Now, the second thing I want to say is um, go to myfitlife.net if you use the code uh, TWP20, you get 20% off all products. These are the products I'm using as well. So I don't promote something unless I'm using it. Last thing I just want to say is uh, do fucking you. Do what fulfills you. Do what makes you happy. Do what's going to allow you to be able to get to that next level, to hit whatever it is, to be able to get over that goal. Because you may not be where you're at right now. Um, and excuse me, you may not be where you want to be right now. But when you look at it in a nutshell, you're one day closer to where you want to be if you're putting that work in. I know it's sometimes we want to beat ourselves up. I do the same thing, you know, where I'm working on the business, working on the podcast. And it's like, man, I'm not where I need to be, but I'm getting there. It's a journey. So give yourself some fucking grace. Pat yourself on the back and tune into the Winner's Paradigm podcast. If you really want to fucking win, let's get it. Hector, thank you so much for coming on the Winner's Paradigm podcast, brother. 
number one, it's an honor to just be able to chop it up with you. I mean, it's cool that learning that you're in San Diego, I'm in Marietta, so we're not too far from each other. Uh, but the cool thing was, is every time I'm going on TikTok, man, I'm seeing your content. I'm seeing you do great things, brother. First, let's start with your story, you know, who you are, what you're passionate about today, brother, and then we're going to jump into everything. For sure, dude. Thank you for having me. And like I told you, man, I uh, I scroll too, and I your, your stuff always pops up at the forefront, man, which is good. It's like meant to be. Um, my story, uh, we'll start from the beginning. I, I'm from Brawley, California, small town in the Imperial Valley, uh, in between California and Arizona border. Uh, it's kind of a small town where if you don't do anything, you're going to get stuck and trapped there. And I realized that at a very young age. And um, that's why I joined the military. I joined the army to have my ticket out of there. Um, you know, plus the recruiter looked all nice and spiffy in his uniform. Uh, so yeah, dude. 17 years old, uh, Twin Towers had went down 2001. I had already enlisted in the delayed entry program. Uh, so I had to get the permission slip, sign the waiver from my parents, you know, being underage. And um, yeah, dude, it was, it got real fast. It got real. It wasn't um, a surprise or a secret that we were going to be, as a country, we were going to be going to war. Um, you know, we had already had a presence in Afghanistan as a result of 9-11. And at that time, you know, I believe it was Bush. Bush on the news just kept um, harping on Saddam Hussein and the weapons of mass destruction in Iraq and liberating the people of Iraq. So <laughs> I went infantry. So, you know, what time it is there, it was like, you know, tip of the spear, uh, the front of the line. Um, I didn't partake in the invasion. The um, shock and awe campaign of 2003, I didn't, I didn't participate in the initial push. Um, we were training in Germany, First uh, Infantry Division, for a whole year leading up to it. Um, I actually thought I missed the war. <laughs> Me and my best man thought we missed the war, man. We were highly upset, you know, being young and, and that's wanting that at that time. Um, but we got our chance, man. We deployed in February of 2004, you know. Um, to Balad, Iraq, uh, 50 miles north of Baghdad. So if you look at a map of, of Iraq, you got Tikrit, Saddam hometown up on the top, uh, Baghdad to the south, and then Fallujah to the left. Uh, we were right in the middle, right in the middle of the Sunni Triangle. Um, man, 2004 was the uh, beginning of the insurgency. You know, something that we didn't necessarily train for or prepare for or kind of know what to expect. Uh, the mindset, the thought being that you're going to face a conventional, conventional enemy, uh, somebody wearing uniforms, somebody um, staying and fighting, shooting at you, holding their ground and waiting instead of, you know, what they were doing, ambushing you and taking off, shooting pop shots and taking off uh, those roadside bombs, man, those roadside bombs were huge. They were uh, new. They were a new thing. And, you know, Thank God they had to kind of iron out the kinks. So they weren't exactly effective with them initially. Initially, they were digging them too deep. So when we would drive by in our Humvees, uh, when it would blow up, the explosion would go up as opposed to having it leveled and the explosion, you know, actually hitting you uh, with the shrapnel and the debris and all that stuff. But um, they did. They did manage to fine tune that, um, unfortunately. So by that time, I was I turned I turned 19, 
No, I turned 20. I turned 20 in Iraq. So I was 19 when I deployed, had my 20 year birthday there. And um, yeah, dude, looking back, kids, we were kids, man, straight. I mean, look now, look at your local Starbucks, look at your local mall, look at, you know, social media, kids, man. Um, Innocence, innocence was definitely lost there. Um, Exposure, exposure to trauma, exposure to chaos, exposure to catastrophe, um, carnage, um, like inhumane stuff on on both sides. You know, it was war. It was... uh, The rules were a little less stringent there. Not that we didn't have them, of course, because we are a country and a nation of rules but and laws. But the gray area, the gray area is what distorted, distorted reality. Um, It was real. (laughs) It was real. Things were happening. You know, things were happening. People were dying. People were getting wounded on both sides um, and, and nonstop non-stop for 13 months daily um had a had a, a lot of buddies uh die from my platoon um i have a total of eight that were killed in my platoon um two while we were on deployment but the remainder ended up getting killed in action on later deployments you know but these are all brothers that i served with uh which did not make the recovery process for PTSD or health, uh, alcoholism or self-medication easy for me when I got back, you know, because the war didn't. For sharing that brother, because I, I definitely can resonate. We'll jump into it later, but honoring for sharing that brother. Thank you, dude. Yeah. The war wasn't over for me when I got back. And if you really want to get technical about it, the war isn't over for me now. You know, even though I'm doing extremely well, I'm doing leaps, bounds, and, you know, it's a miracle where I'm at right now, especially as a family man with my daughter. And, and again, we'll get to that. But, you know, that, that, that war is never truly over. Um, got out. As soon as I got back from Iraq, man, I ETSed. I got out. Uh, and the mental health um, Awareness was not there in 2005. You know, they put us into a hangar, an air, airplane hangar on, on our base in Germany. And the lieutenant colonel said, do not drink and drive. Do not beat your wives. And if you hear loud noises, you may get startled. Have a good one. <laughs> Dude, <that is> terrible advice. <laughs> I mean, it's great advice, but <laughs> it kind of lacks some. Not, not in, you know what? Uh, that was something that I realized too. So yes, you know, you have those safety briefs. I deployed to Kuwait, much different time. This was 2017, yeah. 2016, 17, going into that year. Uh, it was actually funny because ISIS was going to hit our base. And, and I remember in my, my boy, uh, actually my mentor was a corpsman in the Navy. He's a chief. So it was funny as he's an E6, I'm an E4, I'm running my shop, or E3 running my shop. And uh, they're like, ISIS is going to attack the base. Everybody's going to die. Like, we don't have rounds. You know, we're an aviation unit. Uh, that's not our job. You know what I mean? So they were like yeah. we were laughing, kick our feet on the on the desk. People are calling home. And that was one thing where I was like, why would I want to call home? You know, I was like, this is what you signed up for. This is what you're ready for. So right. it was something like that to where uh, leaving deployment, you have those briefs. And they're like, hey, same thing. You know, don't be your wife, this or that. And uh, for me, I was going a million miles a minute and they wanted me to be that bulldog screaming and fucking chewing people out all day. And I'm doing it, you know, stress the fuck out. When I came home, I couldn't adjust back to home 
because when I got home, everybody's giving excuses. And you mentioned, you know, coming from the small town, I'm from Fresno. Uh, it's the same exact thing. You know, it's bullshit, gangs, drugs, and that's it, you know? So going back, uh, I actually sent a lot of money to my mom and I was trying to help her out because while I was on boot leave, my stepdad thought my mom was having an affair with my wrestling coach and tried to shoot him with a 45. Uh, so it was something where I was processing that stuff, but deployed, went into it, you know, had the fucking big drinking problem from seeing shit. Uh, a lot of my Marines tried to kill themselves. So it was something that was very hard for me because it was like, why do my Marines keep fucking wanting to hurt themselves? And then the toxicity of the military sometimes to where they're like, well, it's not the leader's fault that they feel that way. Like, nah, it's the fucking leader's fault for making them feel like shit and saying that because I was doing the same thing, you know? So that was something I was learning for myself to where in the military, people come to you with a problem and you're like, figure it the fuck out. Or why are you bitching about something if you can't uh, control it yourself? And that was something even with me, you know, coming back and it wasn't even uh, going into combat. It was just something where I couldn't even have conversations with people because immediately I'm like, that's an excuse versus hearing them out as a person, as a leader and being like, Hey, this is the corrective action that we can do. That's going to help you. Right, dude. Um, small world. And I, I was actually born in Hansford, uh, right next door to Fresno, uh, moved down go. to, uh, moved down to Brawley as a newborn, but, um, yeah, talking about, you know, your junior Marines and your leaders, uh, there's, I look at it as two sides to that coin, man. Sometimes what they teach us, preach us and embed in us is a necessary evil to accomplish the mission. You know, it's the problem becomes when you come back and you're still um, carrying yourself that way. You're still, uh, you haven't learned. I'm not going to say switch it off because it's not exactly something you switch off, man. It's, man, I've been 12 years on this journey and I'm still, I mean, that's my wife, <laughs> still kind of short tempered. You know, my daughter, she sees me eat fast every day. She's like, why did daddy, why do you eat so fast? And I, and I explained to her yesterday, you know, and I, I went back and forth like, hey, am I going to explain to my daughter my military service? And I I think it would be beneficial. So I kind of uh, told her, hey, you know, dad, at one point, your daddy was in the army. We didn't have time to eat. Let's choke it down. But yeah, I could relate, dude. I could resonate with, with what you said. Yeah, brother. And, and, and I love the way that you say these things because it's something that like you don't notice and that. And, and the good thing is, you know, once I got out, I started helping. Uh, well, excuse me. First, it was dealing with the alcoholism and that. You know, uh, I was fucking up with my wife and uh, before we got married, it was like broke up with her to go end it with my ex and like doing all these things, drinking, just partying like fucking crazy because that's what we did, you know, and it was getting to that point where I, like, I started to repeat the generational trauma of seeing as a kid and I was just like, man, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I'm saying I hate these things, but yeah, I'm drinking, partying, like it's just don't stop because at that time uh, I was a, I was an E4, so I was a... I worked in the operations department, so I did all the aviation and flight data for the Ospreys, and then I did the training to make sure that everyone was, you know, eligible for promotion, retention, yeah, all that. So I was always talking to the sergeant major, you know, my CO, and I started getting these skills and learning that I not to be fucked with because the staff and COs will punk you any chance they get. So it was something for me where I had that chip on my shoulder, you know, and I was thinking like that in really hitting these points to where, uh, it got me to that low point to think about, hey, you know, what is it, you know, get out of the service, uh, twirl the cartilage in my right rear. And then before I got out, uh, that was where I was kind of like knew it was going to be a problem. So went into sales, you know, working at a mortgage brokerage. And it was just like, it was one for me, like it wasn't in alignment with me anymore. You know, uh, you mentioned that, like 
when you look at these 19, 20 year old kids and they're fucking working at Starbucks, we were in the military, you know, so I'm at this mortgage brokerage and these fucking kids are telling me about waking up on mommy and daddy's couch. And I'm like, bro, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Like I'm about to buy my first house. I'm doing all these things. Uh, you're talking about, you know, not having time. Like, Hey bro, I wake up at 3am. I hit the fucking gym. I go to work. I sell all day. I go to school, you know, use that, uh, VA loan, like it was all stop, you know, and or excuse me, all go, no stopping. And then it got me to that point, you know, before a week before my daughter was born, that's where I started this podcast, The Winner's Paradigm, uh, where I started doing some more work, you know, like we said, the generational trauma, parents, alcoholics, abusive, also had a racist stepdad in the mix. Uh, part of it, he was out there in Iraq. So it makes sense, you know, some of the things that he would say or whatever, you know, he's seen shit, but it was something for me where it was like challenging it myself, you know, and realizing it in, everything that I was going through. Cause I stopped drinking brother. And that shit was fucking hard because <laughs> it wasn't necessarily the, the drinking aspect. Like when I got that down, but it was the social because it went from me being the fucking what's up motherfuckers. Who's getting fucked up guy to like, Hey man, how are your core values? Hey, how's your daughter doing? How's your mom doing? And they're like, what the fuck you're coming out of left field talking about core values and family where before I was just faded all the time. So I definitely love that you mentioned that in, in battling that. And it's an ever changing thing. Cause even now, I got cocky the other day. I was talking to one of my buddies. Uh, he's a substance abuse counselor. He was a Navy veteran, you know, got struggled out of drugs when he came out the Navy. Um, and we're talking. I was like, yeah, man, I don't crave it. I don't do whatever, you know. And then the wife left for the weekend to go visit family. And uh, I stayed home. I was like, I'm going to build a business. And fuck, dude, I was by myself. And it started hitting me. And it was crazy because, you know, before I'd be like, I'm going to start pounding the drinks. But it was one of those to where, like, you pray, you meditate, you figure out, hey, you know, where is this arising from? Why do I feel this pain? So I honor you for sharing that, brother. Oh, it's good, man. I can see, I can see where you're at on your journey, man. And, I, and you're right where you need to be. And that's something that I learned early on. It's like I wanted what somebody else had ahead of me uh, in, in their journey of recovery. And uh, an old timer's like, hey, man, you're right where you need to be. And it, it put things in perspective. Um, but yeah, that, I think that's what made the trauma so hard uh, experiencing in Iraq. My age at the time. Um, my morals and ethical beliefs that good things that I thought good things happened to good people and bad things happened to bad people. You know, one of my buddies that got killed, uh, Edgar Daclon, he was Filipino. He was from Torrance, California. And I, and I talk about that in a, on one of my YouTube videos and on another podcast that that day was the worst day of my life. Um, you know, he was killed on my mom's birthday and, uh, Age, age factor. All my buddies that were killed, man, they were freaking 23 years old, 24, 25, 26. And then I thought they were older the way they carry themselves. I mean, you know how staff sergeants carry themselves. You know how E5s carry themselves. Um, and yeah. so, but I learned so much from them, man. Uh, I am the man I am today because of those individuals, because of the role that they played early on in life. Um so yeah, dude, 2005 comes straight from Iraq, straight back to Brawley with $20,000 in my bank account uh, that I saved up. You know, we weren't spending money over there. And I did a lot of drugs and a lot of alcohol for the whole entire year, man. 2005, dude, every single day, every single day, dude. It was uh, wild, man. Uh, downers, uppers, downers. It was just a roller coaster from hell, man. Um, I, throughout all of that, I still had the, that mindset of wanting to do better. Right. And, um, I wasn't a bad person. I was a sick, 
person as a result of my PTSD and my alcoholism. Um, I didn't know I had PTSD and I did not know I was an alcoholic. You know, I was fucking going through it. And uh, I threw it all, man. I ended up getting a job with the California Department of Corrections, dude. Um, fuck, I, that's what my dad had done. And that's kind of what I had saw the pathway, you know, like shit, you want the nice house, the big truck, you want the money. This is where you go, man, especially from my small town. I mean, you're being from Fresno, you probably see the local prisons right there. Uh, yeah, they're no, all there. Coach was a, a correctional officer. So that's the funny thing is he was always uh, telling me, hey, that's not what you want to do. Uh, I did the the walkthrough there and he was just like, yeah, that's <laughs> not where you want to be, brother. Yeah, dude, it's um, it's different uh, compared to the military trauma it's easy well and I, and i'm gonna say this right off the bat man everybody's trauma is their own trauma man it doesn't matter if it's what you what you believe to be small compared to somebody else's no to that individual it's huge to that individual it's life-changing life-altering and impacting so just right off the bat but for me trauma wise in the department of corrections yeah, I got exposed to a lot, man. Murders, uh, riots, uh, attempted murders. Um, but that was uh, overdoses, countless, numerous overdoses, man. We're pumping on their chest. And um, it wasn't, yeah, sure, that probably cannot be good for the mind. But like I said, I think that uh, military combat just freaking just <laughs> wiped everything else out of the water, man. No, I, I love the way that you say that, brother, because it's one of those things that they they learn to teach us in the military where you have that selective switch and you can turn it on and off. Because uh, when I was talking to the coach, he said that that one of the inmates stabbed him one time. And it was funny. It's like every time we drank, he brought it up, you know, so he was always like, I'm going to fucking get him back. I'm going to get him back, you know, like one day. And I guess one day he finally did. And he said, like, I just didn't bring him closure. You know, he was like, he got to do what he wanted to do. But then it went into it and he was just like, it didn't feel that peace, that void. So he was always teaching me those things. But at that point in time, you know, I'm fucking strung out, going crazy, drinking. And then one of my cousins, uh, when I was at the fucking schoolhouse, got stabbed nine times. And uh, he used to be one that was strung out on meth and would send his dealers after me or whatever the fuck, because I was always the middleman, just kicking it, you know what I mean? Getting free weed and whatever yeah. it was in high school. So it was one of those to where uh, I'm playing through all this, you know, and getting the mentorship there. But it was really learning like, hey, we're all battling our own struggle, you know, our own battles that we're facing. Uh, definitely for me coming home, it was difficult because I'm the glue for everybody. My parents, everybody comes to me for advice and I'm giving out the good advice, but then here goes me just fucking up and thinking <laughs> that I'm doing the right thing or thinking it's time to be a quote unquote man and uh, putting corrections into everybody. And Hey, this is what you need to fucking do. And, and it's like, at the end of the day, like, that's not exactly what it is at all. You know, is we can't be going around life in that. So when I started the podcast, brother, that was something for me that I did, uh, I just challenged what it means to be a man. Cause what I thought of, you know, was all the encompassing things of into a good soldier, good Marine, good leader. But it was at the same time being like, Hey, how are we going to be the great leader? If we can't have that affectionate side, that compassionable side to understand, you know, had uh, the good thing is that I had a couple of different Marines that taught me. So I had one of them that will fucking throw blows with you. If you raise your yeah. voice, the slightest. Yeah. Tone, and he'd be like, Hey motherfucker, like, do you know where I'm from? And then the other one would start crying. So I would be like, bro, what the fuck? So I had to learn these things to like, how to communicate like, in that. And that's why I made it part of my mission was, hey, you know, we can teach people whoever uh, through what they're going through by just telling them the stories that we went through. So I appreciate you, brother, 
you know, jam it on this. Uh, so I know that you moved on from corrections and you made it a point saying that you're going to be present for your daughter and really focusing in there, brother. So let's touch on that present aspect because I know that's huge for you. That's something that resonated with me because I run the business. Uh, yeah. Podcast got morphed into one and then I take care of the baby all day. So yeah, something for me as well, where like I'm always doing these things and I'm always making sure that, hey, uh, I can put proper time into what I need to so I can be able to be present with the family, you know, shut the business off because that's something that even now uh, I get in that role and I'm like, I need to fucking do this and on to the next thing to where it's like, hey, you know, we can just be grateful for where we're at, what we're doing. For sure, dude. Um, yeah, 16 years with the California Department, man. Uh, eight years as an officer, promoted a sergeant, did that for three years and then promoted to lieutenant for five years. And I thought I had my family and home life on point. I thought I had it in check. I thought my daughter's four years old, man. So it took me four years to observe this. It's I realized I was now granted, I wasn't coming home and backhanding the wife and, you know, smacking the kid around. I wasn't kicking the dog or necessarily slamming doors, but I was very to myself, very quiet very quiet, very um, withdrawn, very agitated, short-tempered, quick to snap. Um, just not a fun, fun, not a fun guy, not a fun dad, not a fun husband. And when I saw that, when I saw that in my daughter, I'm like, I'm out. I'm out, dude. It wasn't a difficult. I did get all my ducks in a row, right? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna jump off a cliff <laughs> without a parachute. Um, I did, you know, manage to get, uh, um, health benefits through the VA. And that was huge, man. Some pe people hang on to careers as a result of their health um, benefits and understandably so that's huge. Um, so I, I transitioned, man, I made a business it's called uh, torment tactical. And um, I'm currently, you know, I, I developed that business by myself because um, I didn't want to hassle with a business partner. And I kind of heard nightmare stories and I'm like, fuck this, I'm going to do this shit on myself you know i have that drive that motivation um being 12 years clean and sober now it's like hey dude you're you're sober and smart enough not to fuck up <laughs> um so yeah dude i bounced i resigned not to mention it was a to toxic work environment not even talking about the inmates i'm talking about the corruption at the administration management level it was bad dude um and I had prepped my wife, bro, beforehand, probably like a few months back. Hey, I told her kind of, I'm going to quit my job just to plant that seed, you know, um, talk, know to, exactly. <laughs> talk to my father-in-law, which is her dad, told him. He pretty much gave me his blessings, dude. He was like, hey, I wish you luck in everything you do. And I'm like, damn, this dude gave me the blessings for his daughter and for his granddaughter. Like, you know. I did tell my dad and my dad yelled at me and told me not to quit, but that, that I just blew right past that. Um, Cause he didn't know what, what I was going through uh, mentally, mentally. And the reason why I left dude, cause all my coworkers and my subordinates have been calling me. It's like, I told them, Hey man, as a military, as a leader, you never, ever, ever show weakness. You don't because it's contagious. Right. And I will got to the point where I can no longer hide it, where it was going to affect the troops. And that's bad for business, man. Um, let's, let's talk about that real quick, brother. So what was it like when you removed yourself from that toxic environment, you dialed in on you and really started feeling that. Cause I know for me, bro, when I left the fucking military, actually, before I got out the, the Marine Corps, they were going to deploy again. Uh, 
I got fucked because I tore the cartilage in my right knee. They hit me with it. I'm playing the fuck fuck games like they always do. Uh, running between medical. Hey, I need a medical extension. Admin gives that to you. No, dumbass. You're medical. You give me the medical Admin does right. admin extensions. Go to admin. Hey, you want to run two combat fitness tests? And charge you on malingering later on. And yeah. Out. So I was just like, you know, going through this. Uh, and it was realizing the same thing for myself to before they deployed. Uh, my Marine that I taught, you know, everything he knew, fucking kick-ass stellar Marine, actually got out the Marine Corps now. Um, I told him, hey, you know, this is everything that's gonna go on. We had a boss, uh, a lady that I will never be in the same room with again. And I told her that to her face when I got off the Marine Corps. I said, there's no way in hell that me and you will ever be in the same room because you had no value to my life. And she was one of those to where I ran the whole shop. I built, we built a new squadron from the ground up and uh, she decided to come in and start micromanaging me. So I flipped the fuck out. So it was crazy for me, you know, telling them, hey, these are all the failure points you're going to get on deployment because my deployment was absolutely shit with the leadership. I had a great leader then, uh, taught me everything I knew, but just horrible, you know, chewed my ass for two hours before a fucking promotion panel uh, saying that I'm fit to be an NCO and then get on the board. And one of the gunnies who was a drill instructor used to punk me any chance this motherfucker got. Hey, Havens, like just punking me all the time. Say whatever, you know, and uh, we're sitting there and he's like, why do you want to get promoted? What are you going to do differently? I looked this man in the face. I said nothing. She looks at me like Havens, you know, the sergeant major, master guns are laughing. And they're like, why aren't you going to do anything? I said, I do everything to my utmost ability. So why am I going to compromise my integrity, lie to you and say I'm doing something that I'm not? This is exactly what I do. Uh, So for me, you know, when I transitioned out of the military, it was those things that taught me that, hey, you can do it. And it was a freeing aspect as well to where I didn't have to deal with these toxicity, you know, the negative people anymore. And it allowed me to dial in on myself, you know, and really start doing that inner work. Yeah, I hear you, dude. So how was it when I left? Instant instant night and day it like my face felt like it wasn't scrunched all day long dude it was like fucking could relax bro like my shoulders my fucking traps my facial uh, expressions like even family friends were like damn hector you're, you're so much lighter instant bro uh not that disgust in the pit of my stomach bro because of the unethical immoral stuff i was watching um Instant, dude. <laughs> um, and it's been ongoing. Even my daughter. I, I don't know how. I don't know what. I don't know why. She's been a mag, like a magnet to me, like a straight magnet, bro, uh, crawling all over me, which is awesome. It's just great, like hanging on. Um, she wasn't doing that before, dude. She was not. Not to that degree, not to that extent. Um, so I know in my heart, I made the right choice for sure. Yeah. Dude, did I take a pay cut? Oh, my God, bro. Oh my God, I was making over $100,000 a a year without even trying, but it doesn't matter to me because where I'm at right now in life, this is what I want. At one point when I was young, yeah, I chased women, money, alcohol, drugs, but that's not where I'm at right now, man. Hell yeah, brother. And that's exactly why I got you on here today. (laughs) Really talking these things. Uh, We're going to have an interview too, you know, in person eventually. That'll be the second. For sure. And uh, we'll we'll jump on these things as well. But yeah, man, I love that. You know, love everything you embody and what you do. And that was why I hit you up on, on TikTok, man. And I was like, hey, I got to be able to connect with you because you have an amazing story, brother. You're doing amazing things now. Uh, I'll wrap it up with the last question here. What would you say to the previous version of ourselves who's looking to recalibrate their mindset, but they don't know where to start? They're just trying to align themselves with their definition of success. 
this is what I would tell all a younger version of ourselves. If we were still in the chaos, I would say, hey, you're not invincible, right? What you're doing is bringing you negativity. That karma that you're putting out is getting you in all that trouble, getting you arrested, getting those vehicles crashed, getting those crazy girlfriends. What you're doing is clearly not working. You're not a bad person. You're sick and you need to get help. Um, there's treatment out there. There's the VA, there's the emergency rooms, there's the uh, veterans crisis line. There's EAP that employees offer. There's uh, peer support. S don't stop. If you get one therapist that you don't like, don't give up, don't quit, go to the next one. That's what I did. Bro, I, I love that. And that's something that I'm learning about now. Uh, I went on this binge thing. I fucking hate therapy because I never felt like it worked for me. Also to add in, uh, one of the military fucking providers when I was in, put me on antidepressants and then try to say that I'm a crazy. <laughs> I was forcing myself to have fucking anxiety attacks. And I'm like, all I know is, is they told me it's a neural blocker uh, for, for the knee pain that I'm getting and that that's what's going to fix me. And I was like, no, I already had one surgery. You guys know I need cartilage. That's what's bothering me. You know, fix it. No. So they put me on the neural blockers, you know, and then I'm going to therapy and they're telling me that I'm forcing myself to feel this way. And I went on a binge like that. And that was something where I started meditating, you know, and then using cannabis to really process my emotions, crying it out, you know, and journaling. And I was just like, man, it's not the problem of that. It's just the problem of who you're talking to, because I got a breathwork coach and man was a firefighter for 20 years. And now we're talking about seeing people dying or whatever it is, you know, and he's like, yeah, man, I understand what you're going through or recently. Uh, so throughout the process, you know, I didn't have at the time I had four friends who died uh, when I first got in the military and they were all friends I grew up with. And then one of them who was one of my Marines recently killed himself. So it was something for me where it was like getting to that point again uh, to where it was like, man, the only time I seen my boy that I always competed with, you know, we're always neck and neck and I would come out just on top and then we would party together. And it was like, he took his life. And I was like, man, I need to do a better job at helping vets, you know, and really pushing something. Hey, if you need something, cause I've been there, you know, I've been there going to therapy and it's something that didn't help me. You know, I meditate, uh, breath work. I do have other therapist friends now that, uh, I see that too, but it's different on the questions that they ask you. Cause they actually ask you those questions. Hey, how does this feel about this? And then they can notice when we're shutting down. So I love that you mentioned that brother. Cause that's something that, uh, I went through, you know, and had this negative outlook on it to where it may work for somebody, but it may not be me at this point in time. It may be me later on. Right, dude, for sure. Absolutely, brother. Well, it was an honor to have you on. We'll definitely have you on in the future. Where could people find you if you want them to keep up with you, brother? Um, on Instagram, uh, Torment, two underscores, Tactical. And then I'm on TikTok, uh, Torment Tactical, as well as YouTube. Uh, Facebook too, but uh, most of my, my, my primary is Instagram. You can hit me right there. Absolutely. Thank brother. you for that. Thank you for having me, dude. This is awesome. It was nice meeting you too, brother. Thank you, brother. It was awesome. I've got my story. You got yours. I've dropped blood, sweat, and tears on the floor. Then look the devil right in the eyes and told him I want more. When it's time to walk through hell's kitchen, I ain't afraid to lace my boots back up. Been there and back a couple times, but I made it through that stuff. I realized if you want to win, you got to recalibrate your mindset. Before there's no time left, 